When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Type A personalities, like myself, I can get super excited about something. I'd be like, oh, holy shit, I found the thing. I found the magic thing. It's this right. is it. Then I yeah. get argumentative with everybody and tell everybody else that I found the thing and they need to listen to what I do. Right. In real- <laughs> reality, is, that's, it's, it's my toxic trait, but, re- but reality hey, at is- least you understand it and recognize it. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. You should know what to do by now. Drop a comment. Any comment will do. Your favorite emoji doesn't matter. It all boosts us in the algorithm. If you guys are watching during the, you know, the, the live premiere on Mondays, uh, sound off in the live chat. That helps boost us in the algorithm as well. Just, you know, talk amongst yourselves. Sometimes I'm in there watching while I'm editing videos and stuff like that. <clears throat> you guys can send super chats to these pre-records. I just can't read them uh, because it's pre-recorded, but I will take a screenshot of it on the back end and share it on social media. So you will get the credit that you so rightfully deserve <laughs> with that. Follow me on social media, guys. The link's in the description. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. Get your PDF with 20 dating app openers, and I will mail you some free stickers as well. Uh, if you like those designs for, of the stickers, they're available as merch at merch.comeonmanpod.com, and you can get some hats, hoodies, T-shirts, all that kind of fun stuff. I even have like Rule Zero backpacks in there. So check that out. Check out the Practical Law of Attraction course, LOA.comeonmanpod.com. I'll play a commercial for that. Get on the beer club, guys. Beerclub.comeonman. I'm sorry, beer.comeonmanpod.com. It's only 10 bucks a month. You can join with a free trial. The next meetup, we're actually doing, we do meetups once a month. The next meetup is October 26th. We're going to have a Halloween hangout this time. Uh, you can join with a free trial. Show up for the meetup. See if you like it or not. If you do, it's only 10 bucks a month. If you don't cancel at any time, no problem, no harm, no foul, but it's a good outlet for guys. It's a good outlet for guys to get together and talk about guy stuff. And then if you want any kind of coaching, coaching is available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. I have two tiers available there. So check that out. All right. My guest this week is the legendary Paul Benjamin of apex mindset. Um, I, Man, Paul's awesome. Paul's like the first guy that I had on from Rule Zero, right? He's the first guy that I really had a solid conversation with about Red Pill that started changing my mindset about it. And uh, I had him come back on today because I caught an interview with him and um, Sean T. Smith, you know, the, the author of The Tactical Guide to Women. So he had this he had this interview last year sometime with, with Sean uh, about attachment theory and attachment styles. And I was like, this is fascinating because man, it's such a popular subject. And I, you know, I, I know 
dating coaches that that use it all the time. They talk about attachment theory all the time, especially when talking about getting an ex back and stuff like that, which we all know is a terrible idea. And it really got me into wanting to know more about it. Now I've had, I had on uh, maybe a year or two now ago, I had a, a guy on to talk about attachment theory, but I never really looked into it that much myself. I started ahead of this. I started reading a, a, a short book called mastering attachment styles or mastering attachment theory, something like that. Terrible book. I couldn't even finish it. I got about halfway through and I was like, I, I can't, I just can't. A lot of this pop psych stuff is really written for women. It's very gynocentric, right? It's all about, oh, you need to be more vulnerable and blah, 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 blah. That just doesn't help men. It just doesn't work, right? So I was like, I saw, I, I'm reading this. I saw Paul Benjamin's interview with Sean Smith. I was like, I got to get Paul on to talk about this stuff and see what he, what, what you know, what he really thinks about it. What I really think about it, it's a, it's a lot like, it's a lot like astrology for psychology. Really, it's like people try to fit you in this box and go, "Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a anxious avoidant, and so I need to be with someone who's, you know, securely attached." It's like, but if you look at it, securely attached is the goal. Like you, you want to be a securely attached person. Person, uh, the book Atomic Attraction, they say that roughly fifty percent of the population is securely attached, and that's like healthy. It's a, it's it's the healthy attachment, <laughs> right? But it's like it's all it's all bullshit right it doesn't help guys what helps guys is understanding the concepts of attraction i think that's why i i really like red pill it, it simplifies everything without all this mumbo jumbo that it, it's, it's kind of useless you can't it's hard to put it into practice so anyway i wanted to get paul benjamin's take on it you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation you guys might change your minds on attachment theory and how important it really is or how unimportant it really is after this conversation, which I will bring to you right after these words. Are you struggling to find a good quality woman? They are very rare indeed these days. If you spend any time at all watching content in the men's podcast space, or you spend time on dating apps or going out to clubs, you're seeing low quality promiscuous women. You're finding women with daddy issues and personality disorders or a myriad of other red flags, and you are frustrated. I get it, brother, but what if I were to tell you that the reason why you're only seeing these types of women is because of your mindset, because of your paradigm. We get what we focus on in life, and you have trained your mind to focus on the type of women that you don't want. So those are the types of women that keep showing up for you again and again. Let's change that mindset today. If you're a guy looking to attract high-quality, submissive women into your life, then I've got the perfect solution for you. And let me tell you, brother, it's all about mindset. That's right, you've got to reprogram your thinking to focus on the type of women you do want. That's where my Practical Law of Attraction course comes in. It's packed with proven psychology-based techniques that will help you manifest your dream woman. Trust me, you won't find this stuff anywhere else. Explained in such a simple, easy to use way. And let me tell you, when you start using these methods, you'll be amazed at how quickly things start changing for you. Picture this, you're out on the town, feeling confident and magnetic. All the women are drawn to you like moth to a flame. And best of all, you're attracting the type of women that are submissive and high quality. It's not that they weren't there before, it's that you weren't aware of them before. My course will teach you how to be more hyper aware of the kind of women that you actually want. It will teach you to believe that you're the most attractive man around. 
And when you believe it, you'll carry yourself that way. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for my course today. Visit loa.comeonmanpod.com. That's loa.comeonmanpod.com. Start living the life you've always dreamed of. Don't miss out on this opportunity to up your game and find the woman of your dreams. The law of attraction is nothing without action. So what are you waiting for? Act now. Returning to the podcast to class up the joint is a guy who I really learned a lot from and who I think is highly underrated in the men's self-help space. It's Paul Benjamin of Apex Mindset, Apex Underground, Apex Intergame, whatever whatever he's got going on these days. And we don't know. <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about attachment theory and attachment styles today. What's going on, Paul? Not much, Paul. Paul, we have good names. I love it, man. Glad to be here. And just want to say to your audience, I fully endorse your stuff. I really like your shorts and I really like your your podcast. I watch it or listen to it rather on Spotify. Uh, you know, frequently here and there, I'll pick out episodes that are interesting to me. I, I do enjoy it. You do great work. And and so people who are listening right now, I hope they keep doing it, you know, and, and, and support it. Yeah. Cool. Oh, well, that thank you. That actually means a lot. I'm like, I I, I sort of just assume that uh, people uh, like other people in the space aren't listening because they have too much shit going on. <laughs> so it's usually the case, but I like a lot of what you do with the you're you're great at interviewing and you run a good show and you and you dive into topics in a pretty objective way. I like it. So I try, <laughs> I try, I try. So uh so I gotta tell you this. So I reached out to Rolo, Ryan, and Thor just to ask them what their thoughts were on attachment theory uh, ahead of this. And, yeah. and here's what they I'm said. Curious. So, so Rolo, he says, what's old is always new in the psych grift. If it smells like Freud, Young, or Maslow, gynocentrism loves it. So essentially he thinks it's hogwash. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, he says, guys tend to use it to call their wives avoidant attachment then try to fix her like a covert contract. So I find it's limited utility. Um, Thor said child attachment theory has some merit. It seems to have some good science. It falls apart when used for adult attachment theory. People who wrote it were pretty out there. So that's what those guys said. What's, uh, what's your basic take on it? <laughs> well, my basic take is that it, it's kind it's useful depending on the approach. So the origin of it, was interesting, but there's a lot of holes in the theory. And this is one of those things that it sounds really good and it can be used for good. Like it can be used if you approach it in a non-deterministic objective way. But what people try to do, it seems is they try to use it as the, Oh, the, the compass, right. For all things, relationships, and it's like, oh, well, this person does this behavior, so they're avoidant. And then I'll say, well, there's probably something that happened when they were younger. And, and they speak of it as if it's deterministic, like an avoidant attachment person that shows up that way, let's say, in a particular relationship. Like that's just the way that person is and is going to be and that we have to kind of remedy that and think of ways around that and communicate around that to try to get the person to behave more in a more healthy way. But really this is just kind of their default framework. That's not always true. Mm -hmm. um, and so it just, it gets to be used because it's like, it's a convenient answer to solutions when people are running into problems in a relationship, when someone's having, you know, possessive behavior or, 
you know, blowing a person up or creating toxic arguments, it's easy to slap the label of anxious attachment on it and then work from there. But the problem too with that is it's not really a solution either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes, <laughs> you, you know, it's a relationship is a, is a, you know, communication and exchange between two people. And so sometimes the way that a certain person is behaving is creating responses in this other person. Now, obviously we're all responsible for our own responses. However, you know, that there's a back and forth that happens here that -hmm. attachment theory doesn't necessarily or address or ignore. So this is why Ryan might say that this is impractical because like he's saying, it's you being used as a label to throw at somebody and girls can throw it on their man as a label, you know, and then say, well, and now we have to try to fix him. Right. Or guys will throw that as a label on their girl and now we're going to try to fix her. But the reality is there's an exchange that's happening between two people. She, what she may have done that's anxious attachment for you could have been a secure attachment with her last boyfriend, maybe because the desire wasn't there and it was a comf- comfortable, easy relationship mm-hmm. or maybe an avoidant attachment when she was style when she was younger with a different boyfriend because, you know, she wasn't that she wasn't invested in a future with that guy. And so they're just sort of seeing each other, you know, maybe once or twice a week while she's in college or whatever, you get what I mean. And yeah. so like these things aren't deterministic. You, you take a test. Like if, if a guy's in the middle of a BPD abuse scenario and he's responding himself with reactive abuse, well, he takes that test. It's going to say he's anxious attachment. Is he really anxious attachment? You know, was there a problem from childhood that led to this? And now he's got to, so it ends up being a big gaslight if it's used the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. that's, that's part of the, the issue is we, th- we start throwing labels around. We start gaslighting ourselves, you know, and, and gaslighting our partners, not meaning to. And so that's the problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that, that's sort of what it seems to me like in, and I'm sure that uh, like clinical psychologists apply it appropriately experts apply it appropriately but the average dude on tiktok sometimes they don't (laughs) right 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 but i'm just i'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt they're professionals but but it also it also it also seems to me like the the average layman on uh on tiktok though is sort of looking at it like astrology for psychology right like kind of like the love languages that's right where uh I, i'm a fearful avoidment so i'm gonna match better with someone who's a secure attached and so i'm yep. gonna look for someone who's a secure attached i'm gonna put that in my 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 bumble profile and i actually found an article about it I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna link to it but i'll maybe i'll send it to you later but it's yeah. literally i googled uh, what 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 attachment styles uh, work best together? And some lady wrote a whole article that sounded just like a, a, a horoscope saying, well, you know, Leo's and Sagittarius. And I'm like, this is why I think this is pops, the pop psychology, you know, is not good. <laughs> right. Well, and that, and that's what it is. It, it, I love how you said that astrology for psychology. That's that's such a good accurate representation it's not that the theory is completely bad it it depends on how it's being used used uh for childhood development is actually pretty good Mm -hmm. um used in a different way to kind of understand some of your own default mechanisms and wanting to fix certain things might be useful too but you have to use it in conjunction 
with other things and it has to be practical and I, and I can get into that too, you know, here, but it's just, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's wanting a magical theory, you know what I mean? That's going to solve for all of these issues. And then they revolve in this like love language, the same thing. And I have to ask myself too, then it's like, well, is it even something that we should focus on at all then? Mm-hmm. If it's something that's going to be abused or used inappropriately a lot. And right. atta- you know, attachment theory isn't as bad as the love languages, in my opinion. But it is something that, you know, people might want to just not focus as hard on that. And focus more on more detailed things yeah. like communication style with your partner. Um, being able to get a good read and fit on your partner on what their entire archetype, archetypical behaviors are, so you know what they're going to better respond to. But that's a little bit more complex, and it, it requires learning some more skills. I, you know, my my uh, groups, my coaching groups with my guys, I work on something called 18 motivators. I don't even talk about this on YouTube because it's hard to apply. Um, but it's not really hard when you know the skill, it's like anything, you know what I mean? So being able to evaluate your partner on 18 criteria of things that internally motivate them to want to do things or to not want to do things can help frame your language with your partner, for example, things like that. Those those things are a little bit more like more practical when you just have, you know, avoidant anxious, disorganized, or secure, right? And then you got four options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more nuance to human beings than to, than to fit it uncomfortably in one box or the other. Um, now, where I do think it's useful to give it some, some credit here, besides childhood development stuff, which I'm not an expert in, so I, I won't even go down that rabbit hole. Most of our listeners aren't that interested in that. Yeah. But yeah, my, those kids. No. <laughs> yeah, I just, but it's you know, it, it's 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 just not my. I wouldn't consider myself an expert there. So you know, but sure. the um with relationship dynamics, it's good to like understand if you have unhealthy patterns that you're repeating from relationship to relationship due to some poor mental model or traumatic effect from something that did happen. Now that could be parental, you know, like a caregiver didn't pay enough attention and some of these things, but not always. And so that gets into the flaw of, of attachment theory used in psychology. They almost always go back to caregiver because that's how the theory got started. Mm-hmm. But somebody can have, let's say an anxious style of attaching to somebody if they went through a narcissistic or borderline uh, abuse relationship. Where, or, or they got, you know, where they got catastrophically devalued and cheated on yeah. and then and then discarded at the end. They could now take all of those, you know, all of that traumatic effects from that relationship could carry over to a new girl who's not like that. And then they could display these anxious behaviors or these avoidant behaviors or disorganized behaviors where they're doing one, then the other, and they're all over the place, but it's not because of their childhood. And it's not necessarily because it's how they are. That's a traumatic response to previous, you know, stimulus things that happen. And so it's, it's a good model to go, okay, I'm not, I don't even look at it in terms of which style, but just like, am I having a healthy mental model for how I'm attaching this other person 
Mm -hmm. or am I unhealthy right now? You know, if I'm not healthy, okay, why am I not healthy? So example, we're talking now Twitter, but some girl went on a date with some guy and, you know, supposedly the guy, you know, messaged her 60 times after the date and one of them threatened to kill her. (laughs) One of those things Mm -hmm. that's something's wrong with that guy. You know, something is wrong. He is highly, highly anxious and perceiving things as threats or problems that aren't there, you know, assuming that he's not diagnosably something crazy, but guys who simp for girls, right? Like Mm. those guys, there's, there's something wrong with the way that they're trying to attach to another human being. It's not healthy. Their style isn't so important. What's important is what is creating this unhealthy attachment. And then what do we do about it? You Mm. know? And, And, and then also as guys, you know, we can create unhealthy responses in our partners by how, based on how we treat them and how mm-hmm. we communicate with them. So we always want to be evaluating those things, not just assume that she's avoiding attachment. And this is the way she is. I mean, maybe that's, she has avoided behaviors that are default mechanisms, but knowing like putting a label on it, isn't a practical solution for your relationship. That's now an illusion of action. Oh, I look, I got a label on it. I'm, I'm binge watching, you know, uh, horoscope psychology on this stuff, <laughs> but I'm not learning. Okay. How can I communicate with her or set up parameter set expectations in my relationships? So I don't inspire this in- avoidant behavior. Mm-hmm. What can I do when she acts avoidant to not push her away further, you know, and ins- to, to instead handle this, situation and 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 have her come out of that avoidance and draw back to me as in game as in game we call it push pull right stuff like that so like learning the practical solutions is way more important than labeling it and and going down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out why from a lot of horoscope psychology i'm gonna steal that by the way so please do please do i haven't trademarked it so yeah you should (laughs) i'll give you credit yeah cool cool. yeah that'll help yeah it's interesting too because um a lot of guys too think that uh oh i took a test online and i'm stuck here like this is me i'm gonna i'm a, a dismissive avoidant or whatever and it's like no yeah uh you can learn to be a different way. Cause I would say before I got into all the stuff, before I started learning how to lead healthy relationships, how to be a better dater, I was needy as hell. Yeah. I was needy guy pushing for a relationship. You might have said I was an anxious uh, attached person. I've Uh, been anxious before. I've been that alpha anxious attached where I'm like super dickhead and like telling her what to do. You know, kind of stuff because I went out with crazy women that I had to do that with. And that's what they responded to. And then I started dating healthier women and and they they were not responding so well to that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm the problem right now. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, maybe if I if I change my behavior and I learn how to pick better women, well, then none of this means anything anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's um, it. What uh, so uh, another reason why I reached out to you is, uh, as you know, I you did an interview with with Shanti Smith, the the author of uh, the Tactical Guide to Women. He's got a new book out called Gatekeeper, and yeah, yeah. and I caught an interview you did with him last year on this very subject, right? And so he says, uh, 
that you can work deductively by placing labels on people or yes. you can or you can work inductively mm-hmm. and try to get to know the individual right and, and their specific problem uh, and he says the problem with clinical psychology and versus research psychology is that research psychology tends to be more woke and this the idea yes. of attachment theory is sort of is more on the research side anyway. And then right. he says he doesn't like any theory that has a finite number of categories. And the more detailed a specific yes. category becomes, the fewer people it actually applies to neatly, which, I, I mean, you could say, too, about some of the stuff in Red Pill. but uh, Oh, you can. You can. But it used yeah. inappropriately, though. That's the whole thing, right? Like, right. go back to what we were talking about before we were on the air. Like, hypergamy is a true thing and a good concept to understand. But used inappropriately, it becomes the hammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything looks like a hypergamy nail that you have to hit with this hammer. And right. it's like, no, that's, that's which, not it either. <laughs> which I think is, is uh, cause Sean's not a fan of hypergamy. And I think that's, that's his criticism of it. Right. He, what does right. he say? It's like, it's like navigating a relationship using only a turn signal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. That's funny. But his, his, his criticism there is, is, is really more on the use of these convenient theories. He has an excellent video, in my opinion, on his channel on convenient theories. Love it. I've learned a lot from him. I take, I, I've taken, you know, um, some like I've just looked at his approach a bit, and it, and it's it's something I've learned a lot from. Is is being very careful um, because, especially Type A personalities, you like myself, right? Like I can get super excited about something. I'd be like, oh. Holy shit, I found the thing. I found the magic thing. It's this right. is it. And then I yeah. get argumentative with everybody and tell everybody else that I found the thing and they need to fucking listen to what I do. Right. In real- <laughs> reality is that's it's it's my toxic trait, but re- but reality at is- least you understand it and recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But I I've, I've dialed I've I've reeled back from a lot of that from uh you know, his other influences too, but he was definitely somebody that helped me do that because yeah. um and then other therapists that are, in my opinion, good therapists, and not everyone is like that, mm-hmm. um, th- where he is more interested in building, you know, a profile on the individual and having awareness of a problem. Um, I, I take it a step further. So and something that I do with my coaching, I, you know, it's, it's called something called neurobehavioral conditioning on the apex inner game channel. There's a, a kind of a short, um, not super entertaining, but very, very detailed video on uh, on that and that process it's kind of what i do with my clients but it's that discovery process is so important it's really trying to really understand the problem the person and then and the motivations that that person has and then also you know helping that person and yourself as the the person who's working with them uh the coach or therapist helping um find different ways of looking at the problem so your awareness is expanded of the problem, not mm. to try to take this problem and put it into a convenient diagnosis to hammer a solution. What he's saying about research psychology and, and, you know, therapy, right. And, and performance psychology, things where we're designed to actually help solve a person's problems. Um, you know, in that clinical sense, because clinical psychology is, is, has a lot of research elements to it. I mean, I love research psychology. That's I'm not a researcher, right? That's why I'm not sitting in a university doing the research. That would be a cool job, but it's not what I do. And so I rely on research psychology uh, to look at data just, just very much as like a 
an exercise, um, you know, coach or whatever is going to look at exercise science and what they're doing at university studies and stuff to help them with their athletes. Mm -hmm. But when you're practically on the ground with somebody, you know, you're going to find that what research bears out to practical advice and solutions or what really doesn't on that particular client, you know, and what he's research is done deductively because we want to prove whether a particular method has validity when it's controlled and as best as we can for other variables. Well, the problem is the individual is a pile of variables that you cannot, <laughs> right? You cannot control or isolate and then put into a convenient solution. So it's always usually a menu of solutions that the individual has to take personal accountability for and then driving that forward, much like you know, you could be a boxing coach. You're not fighting for your, your the boxer. Mm-hmm. Like the boxer has to take personal accountability for the skills they're developing, what they're going to use and using that stuff in the ring. And, and then you as the, it's a relationship between the, the coach and the fighter as to what is working and then what doesn't work. Cause sometimes something that bared out in research or worked for another client just isn't working for this particular person. Right. Can't be ego invested. It's fine. Throw it out. You know, let's do something different. And so you're taking all those things into account when you're doing good therapy work or good coaching work, you know, as we both do for clients. In fact, you know, we're taking those things into account. We're not, we're not trying to deduce it into something convenient in a convenient little box. And I think it's pretty important. And, and that's what he's pointing to. And that's how I know he does a good job at what he does. Is because yeah. of that approach, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's real smart. Um, so here's another problem I have with attachment theory. So I'm reading this book right now. Okay. Okay. Real short, real short book. And uh, there's a lot of uh, feel good nonsense geared towards women in this, right? Stuff about how to be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paul, are you are you vulnerable? Are you, you're, you need to work on your vulnerability more. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, like that kind of you stuff to me is is total it's total chick crack right it's in it, it which yes. makes this sort of stuff hard to take seriously in my opinion oh um, yeah yeah no absolutely well and that's that's the problem is that even if you can diagnose something useful out of attachment theory it's not a solution yeah you know what i mean and so right. what happens is people go in with the uh, authority of this convenient theory that has research behind it. And a lot of that research is positive. And then they offer their solutions, which are not part of that research mm. as to how to solve and fix the problem. And those solutions end up being what is comfortable and what feels good for people. And that's what sells the books. That's what gets people to, you know, hire you for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But that's not what solves problems. And that's why it, red pill is so hard to sell. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is. And it's, it, and it's like any of us who are doing real work with us is a struggle we have is that mm-hmm. we have to be able to market ourselves out there and convince someone who's never worked with us before that we're going to help them. And they're going to, and, and to do that, they have to feel good about us and good about coming to us for a solution to a problem, right? That's Mm -hmm. the marketing side of it. But on the other side of it is they're going to feel bad. (laughs) They're going to feel bad uh, quite a lot, depending on how big their problems are before they feel better. 
because, right. and, you know, and I, and I say feel bad. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not there berating them or something, but, you know, just beating them up. But it's like they have to face uncomfortable things, which doesn't necessarily feel good. They're going to have to do some things. They're going to be uncomfortable in order to get the reward, uh, which is fixing whatever they're trying to fix or to get to whatever goal they're trying to get to. And so we're, we're dealt with that challenge of, you know, Hey, you know, you're going to work with me and sometimes they ain't going to feel good. Sometimes you're going to have to face something mm -hmm. you don't want to face. It's uncomfortable, you know, it, but you know, at the same time though, the rewards are really good and you should feel good about that. And so we, we have that challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what you were saying before is like, they have to take, they have to take some kind of personal accountability. I think that's, what a lot of guys don't really understand is, you know, if they hire uh, uh, one of us as a coach, like we could give you the tools and tell you what you need to do and point in the right direction, but you have to do it. Like just hiring us, hiring us as a coach, is not going to just magically solve all the problems you have to right? Like you have to go talk to the girls. You, yeah, like, I'm not going to talk to the girls yeah. for you. You know, you got to go do it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, yeah. And you have to tell your, your wife or girlfriend, no. Yeah, You're, you have to be the one. I'm not going <laughs> to go to your house and say, hey, hey, now, Linda, we can't do this, right? No, <laughs> right, you know. Linda, and that's, what a bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's, uh, that's it. But, um, yeah, so that's the problem. But you can stand behind the, the authority of, you know, some kind of convenient theory that sounds good to people, that feels good to people. You can make them feel good because they feel like they're solving their problems with a, a, a simple, simplistic diagnosis. Yeah. And then, of course, you offer solutions, but those solutions may or may not fit anything practical that actually gets results. And that's the problem you run into. So where you run into like the chick crack stuff is feeling really good and feeling like I have these answers now and and then it, it, it usually it also means that I'm not responsible. You mm. see, like if a ta if my avoidant, if me being a shitty partner who avoids, who, you know, stonewalls my partner and won't have good communication or good co uh, conversation. If I can blame that on like my mom <laughs> right, mm, yeah. and say, oh, you know, I'm just an avoidant attachment and then put the responsibility on the other person to try to handle me differently, but I don't have to take any responsibility for it. And really all I'm doing is set up a setting up a scenario where the other person has to qualify to me continuously until I get what I want or what I decide to give them a, a crumb of what they want. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds really good, right? To some people like that's going to feel good. Sound good. If you're, if your goal is to not have accountability, but somehow externalize the blame and solve your problems. Wow. These, these books sell. And, and you know what, both men and women do this, but, oh, sure. Women, unfortunately, are very well wired to kind of defer that to other people. It's just an evolutionary wiring. It's not I'm not saying anything divisive or bad against women here. Are just, you saying that women have no accountability? Is that <laughs> <laughs> All right? They it, it's accountability is something that is is been lacking, we'll say, in, okay. in, in our okay. culture with women. And and it's and it is but it is a default 
it is a default mechanism because, hey, if they took accountability for their crimes a thousand years ago, maybe they got stoned or beaten to death, <laughs> right, by a bunch of dudes. So, like, right. naturally being in that weaker position, they've learned to be like, mm, let me try to not have anything be my fault and to look like a better person. It's mm. a default innate mechanism that is there, but it's not that also is not a death sentence or a, uh, a deterministic thing, right? Just because that may be a default mechanism, that doesn't mean that's what they have to do. And so women are capable of being accountable, um, having good frame and good, you know, relationship game is as a man is being able to communicate the best way possible so she can bring out those capabilities. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are skill sets that are hard sometimes and they're not, they're, they're not as convenient as, what your attachment theory book might be doing or what a lot of this stuff might be doing or what a lot of the, the, the psychologists on YouTube are, are, are proposing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does what they're, what they are proposing for a lot of this stuff is really what, you know, the mainstream uh, recommendations are for relationships that we all know in the space don't just don't, don't work. work. They just don't work, you know? So yeah. That's yeah. I think that's that's my problem so far with the book that the theory itself seems like, OK, I can I, I can see that. Speaking of <laughs> the theory itself, we we bitched about w why it, it might not be the best thing ever. But uh, I do want to go over the theory a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's, so what that I, that's what I was going to ask. If we if you can just give us a, a brief overview of what it is, what like the four styles are. And yep, yep, from. yep. So this is a theory that was put out by a, a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. So he's from the Carl Jung, Freud, you know, um, tract. Yeah, I think it was the fifties. All right. I didn't have some mm. notes here, but I didn't write down the dates. And so he was looking at the number one, like most important tenant to the original attachment theory is that young children need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver. And now that turned into mom more than anything else. So it ended up being, relationship with mom and in order they had to develop that with from birth to first couple of years two years in order to have normal social and emotional development and that if they didn't have this healthy development with mom you know from age zero to two then that meant they were going to have social problems and not normal social development so that is the deterministic view of attachment theory, how it started. Now, I mean, I look at that like what we understand about learning a language, because I'm going to debunk a lot of this as we go along, okay? Okay. So you can learn a language, even if you never learned one when you were younger, just because of neuro, you know, neurological factors and brain development, it's easier to learn a language when you're younger. That doesn't mean you can't learn a language later on in life. Right. Mm -hmm. But that used to be a deterministic view, like, Oh, you'll never truly learn a language. Like, well, that's not really true. Now we know that. Mm -hmm. And so you, are you going to have an easier time picking up on languages? If you learned a language when you were young, absolutely. Are you going to have maybe a harder time? I have to do a little more work to learn a language later in life. If you didn't sure, that doesn't mean you can't learn the language. So, Yes, if a child runs into attachment problems because of problem with caregiver, it's not just mom, but it could be any substitute caregiver that they sh that they're designed to bond with, they're going to have problems potentially 
growing up and developing healthy attachments. But does that mean that it's deterministic that they'll never, well, we don't have data doesn't really show that, you know, Mm -hmm. not to mention what happens. What about reactive attachment issues? So like, in other words, you mean to tell me if a kid had a healthy relationship with his mom for the first couple of years, but then let's say mom and dad die in an accident. And then that kid gets put off to an adoptive family that abuses them and treats them like crap and has criminality and drugs in the house and everything else. You gotta tell me that that kid's prognosis is going to be good because it, and his attachments are going to be healthy and his relationships are going to be healthy because age zero to two is healthy. That's what the theory kind of proposes, but it's not true. And we see it not being true a lot. So, so that's, it's, there's value there in understanding that to develop these innate ways that we attach to each other, you know, that's that, that for early childhood ev- development, the relationship with mom, the relationship with caregivers, zero to two is really important. There's certain things to do. There's certain things to not do. That's very practical to give a kid the most possibility or probability of success, but to then go backwards and diagnose and say, well, this person has these attachment problems. So it's probably because when they were two, mom didn't love them enough. That's not very useful. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, or necessarily true because then again, we can have reactive attachment problems, meaning, okay, there's a trauma or a death or a bad relationship. We see it all the time when we coach guys, right? They go through a really bad relationship, a terrible divorce. And now like their reactions to a new girl aren't what they should be. Right. right? They almost it, like hate all women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it, it, you can have reactive attachment issues and emotional issues. It's not necessarily as what they were determining here. And, and so it, you had the three attachment styles, you know, which is your secure style, which is like, okay, we're healthy. I think we there's have a, four now, actually. Well, there is four and okay. I'll introduce the fourth one's disorganized, but okay. um, it started off in the sixties and seventies. There's a psychologist for name dropper, Mary Ainsworth. Right. Um, mm-hmm. She had just everybody. I hope you're taking notes on this. Take notes, take notes. Yes. And so she was looking at, she focused more. So it started off with caregiver. Now, now it turns, this is where like feminism and influencing psychology happens. The now it turns into yeah. more about the maternal responses and maternal, maternal responsiveness. So it went from caregiver, like, okay, like, maybe grandma or maybe grandpa or dad, single dad's taking care of it. Mom dialed in, died in childbirth. Like these are all valid things. Well, it it turned into mom, right? So like it was just mom. And so it became again, still very deterministic, but she did sort of categorize these three styles, which is the uh, avoidant, the secure and the anxious. Mm -hmm. Now four style disorganized was introduced later um, and I'm, and I don't know if she was one to introduce it, but it was right, right before about the eighties where then psychologists started applying the theory to adults. So prior to 1980, you know, for the first 30 or so years of this theory, it was just applied to children. Mm-hmm. And there was an understanding that your experiences as well as like your genetic component, genetic makeup, cause that's a thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone has a genetic predisposition to, you know, uh, becoming a narcissist or becoming, you know, something, a severe personality disorder, maybe they respond differently to a, a, a problematic caregiver relationship. You know what I mean? From zero to two, than somebody who doesn't have a 
predis- genetic predisposition to that. So genetics start getting involved, other things get involved, but it was understanding that like, okay, this is a way of setting up a kid for success. Well, that got expanded into, you know, focusing on mom, the mom relationship, the maternal relationship, and then applying to adults. And this is where it became the, the convenient theory is now we're applying this attachment theory and this deterministic view on all of our social relationships and all of our romantic relationships. And it, it's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't suss out like that when we start looking at individuals, you know what mm, I mean? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's the issue there. Um, let's see if, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, ba- that's your background of it. And it's still being used today. Now I would say again, like it's a good theory. It's a, if it's the lens in which we look at, you know, in a broad sense, not necessarily individuals, but just to have these conversations in a broad sense of, you know, how human beings are designed to attach socially, you know, like, okay, hey, bad experience, whether it was childhood or whether it was a, you know, a later on experience could cause somebody given their genetic and personality makeup to be more avoided, to avoid conflict, avoid conversations, you know, and it could get them to associate you know, uh, love with pain. And then as when they start to have these feelings of love and those that the oxytocin kicks in the anxiety, you know, I say anxiety, but the, the feeling of bad outcomes kick in and they start in, a, in an avoidant attachment, start avoiding now their partner, start, you know, pulling away, start stonewalling, not dealing with problems, you know, leaving, ghosting her for a week or two, you know, because Mm. whatever reason and then not being able to explain why, like like when we can understand from a a understanding like toxic behaviors and stuff. Yeah. We can look at, okay, this is, this is not a healthy attachment style. It doesn't really matter whether what the category is, it's just not healthy. Mm -hmm. Why is that happening? Well, what, what is happening with that person that's causing this to be the response or reaction? Well, maybe they got a discarded in a really bad relationship and that left such an imprint on them that they don't, you know, their way of handling is more depressive and more avoidant when things start to go good. They sabotage, right? Maybe somebody who's anxious does the opposite of that. You know, once, once things start going well or they even see that things could go well, they call her too much, text her too much. They basically had all this pain from loss of a previous relationship or lacking that attachment for, you know, that they a healthy attachment with a previous partner and yeah. they take all those needs. They dump it on her way too early. You know, the guy who's over texting the guy who's, you know, relationship signaling. And it's like not even the first date yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, maybe that guy is being a, a bit anxious in, in his style, due to past stuff. And so it can be valuable to have these conversations and to understand stuff, but we just got to know the limits of it, which is that it's not deterministic and they're not solutions. Like, okay, we identified this guy's has these things he's doing. Well, we got to look at why and then what to do, do about it and developing some different skill sets and a different mental inner game and mental framework and emotional framework. These are all things to do that are completely outside of, whatever attachment <laughs> right yeah yes you know yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah that makes a lot of sense what one thing i thought of here it's not in my notes but you talk a lot on your channel about like pair bonding does that have anything to do with attachment theory or yeah it, it does and so let me make a good um 
so there's people out there going pair bonding is not real. All right. But the reason they say that is because it's a misunderstanding of the word. Mm-hmm. The word is not mean bonding for life. Like we're, mm-hmm. you know, you may have heard like, we're just like penguins, which penguins don't <laughs> even <laughs> like do that. You know, like it's, it doesn't mean I met the one and now we have a pair bond and now you know, we bond for the whole, our life. And if we lose this relationship somehow, somehow our life is over because that's my pair bond. Well, that's not really what it means. What it means is that we have a mate preference for one person over the other options. Mm. He, he, a guy could be pair bonded by that definition and still sleep with other women. Not that he should, right? That's up to him and his girl and the nature of that relationship. However, it doesn't mean, you know, this, this fantasy idea. It's just that you're dealing with what we could call what, what blue pill scientists, right? Who they look at it and they say, oh, okay, there's a primary attachment where this person becomes associated with the oxytocin feelings, mm-hmm. the vasopressin feelings, which are the, all of those love feelings and protective feelings that make you feel like you want to be in a relationship with somebody. Add in some dopamine and some serotonin sexual release like all these neurochemical things in the cocktail that happen when you're sexually attracted and then you're in the relationship and you know you associate this person with those that neurochemical reaction over and above other people so you choose a relationship with this person that's what pair bonding means it's not a permanent state you know mm-hmm. but it's it's an association so it is a lasting state in a sense that it could take some, some series of problems for that association to get broken. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not it, it, the stronger that pair bond, the, the harder it is to break that association. And, and in your relationship, if you're wanting to do a long-term relationship, you want the woman that you're with to have a pair bond to you, meaning she chooses you and associates you with all of those sexual and desiring and relationship feelings and needs over and above anybody else. And that's where she's defaulting to and choosing and that you have room. In other words, it's not just so conditional that I had a bad day today and forgot, you know, something I should have done for her that I promised, or I did this thing wrong. Yeah, now it's over. Yeah. She's you've, out. You've, it's you over. Fucked, right? You fucked up. She's gone. <laughs> right. Right. She's always it's looking over. for the best option. You know how it is. Oh, hypergamy. <laughs> That's it. I met Chad yesterday. Yeah. And so this pair bonding is what makes her not go run off with a guy who might be objectively SMV higher than you just for a romp in the, in the hay, even if she thinks she can get away with it because it doesn't feel right for her to do it. A, a good a good chick who has retained an ability to pair bond because she hasn't damaged those mechanisms within herself through other behaviors. You know, she doesn't just run off and sleep with Tyrone or Chad because even even if she's not going to get caught, because it doesn't feel right. It's not the person that she associates with those feelings that she's been associating those things with the last for the last five or ten years. Provided, of course, the guy is still doing the things to maintain attraction. So when I say pair bonding, even in the scientific literature, they they don't mean one-itis. They don't mean for life. It just means in a a way I describe it as association of those neurochemicals being, you know, put on that one person. And some species do that. We're, we're one of them. We're, so we, we would rather mate with this person. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 
but attachment theory you want to talk about how it applies <laughs> well no well I, th I think we did a, a little bit okay um, all right um unless you want to go more into that but the the other thing i was going to say is and i think we caught we covered some of this already but are there any misconceptions or common myths about attachment theory that you can think of um yeah i mean we covered a lot of them so i mean i, I would say a common myth is that it's deterministic. Mm -hmm. A common myth is to go all the way back to childhood and assume that something happened at childhood. Like a common myth in general um, is to assume everything is trauma-based. Um, you know, I'm not a big proponent of that. I think that a lot of things can be, and a lot of things are just conditioned responses. Something worked for somebody after a point, and then you, you, that response worked and i put it in quotation may not have been the best response may it might have been the most healthy but mm -hmm. it solved a temporary problem and then that became a default mechanism going forward and that default mechanism isn't solving their current problems you know a lot of times it really is just behavioral and there are emotions and feelings and stuff that are attached to those behaviors yeah. and so you know it's not it's not a deterministic thing it's not something where if I put somebody in this box of what their attachment style is, then I'm going to predict their behavior. Um, sometimes you, you, you know, can be predictive. You can predict behaviors because hey, here's what happens. It's like cold reading, you know, mm. some psychologists or some people that see a lot of relationships and stuff that happen, right. They see a lot of clients, they observe a lot. They can be predictive because they just happen to be good at seeing trends but it's not the label of avoidant or disorganized or, or whatever that's going to, that's, that's helping them do that. It just happens yeah. to be their experience and observation of people and their yeah. ability to have empathy for that person that they're observing and to be able to predict behavior. So to think it's a predictive framework, um, not necessarily because it may feel that way because the person it's like, well, a person is a Sagittarius, so they're doing all these Sagittarius things. But when you really look at it, it's like, well, they're doing a lot of other things that don't fit the, right. that, that prediction. So it's not really helpful, you know? And then there's not a solution here either. It's, it's like having a label doesn't tell you how to solve that problem, right. you know? And so we have to look at the individual and what's motivating the behavior in order to figure out how to solve it. The behavioral motiv motivation is really where the focus should be, not so much, you know, the label. And so, okay. Yeah. That, yeah. that was going to be my next thing. So like what in your opinion then is better to focus on instead of the theory itself? Yeah. Yeah. Just what's it, it's having, I, I call it tactical empathy because, you know, got to use the word tactical from the military all the time. Oh, Sounds yeah, pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. Tactical yeah. Yeah. Empathy, bro. <laughs> 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 but, it's, but it's super alpha to be tactical. Super alpha. It's not. It's not. It's not this this sissy empathy. It's tactical empathy. <laughs> like, just low crawling through some barbed wire. Right, right. It's empathy, but with guns. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, I say tactical empathy because you're you're using you, you know you're you're not a guy. Guys are good at empathy. Here's the thing, like. By my definition, empathy is being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and experiences uh -huh. and be able to determine in a with radical acceptance, you know, what it is they're feeling, thinking and what their next move is going to be. As men, 
we're designed for this. We're good at it. We do this when we negotiate business and we've been doing it at war since, you know, as far as we know. Right. And so we had to go do that. We had to work with other men and work against other men to get what we wanted. And so empathy is how to understand the enemy, so to speak, or understand the guys you're working with, understanding your partner like these we do it all the time we don't even know we're doing it Mm -hmm. and so tactical empathy is taking this innate skill and sort of defining things in our head of like okay how can i her behavior is this which really means she's feeling like this maybe right or and being able to sort of logically spell out right what that behavior means because we're logical you know people attracted to things as men. And if it becomes about the feelings and the sympathy and the sympathy, we're might start mixing things up. You know what I mean? We might, we're see like, and so the, the to offer that other side is women are really are, are better at sympathy uh, than men t- tend to be. They can be uh, more wired towards it. Sympathy is identifying with the emotions. So mm-hmm. when someone hurt is hurt and she wants to give him a hug and say, Oh, I know that hurts. I'm so, I feel so sorry. I feel bad for you. You know, mirroring and stuff like that, the mirroring neurons. Um, I will get maybe a topic for another show. Why women like to watch other women in porn has to do with mirroring neurons. Yeah. Has mm. to do with the, the experience of the other woman. I'll write that it's, down as a subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the mirroring. It's this, the seeing the experience of the other woman makes them turned on and hot. Whereas like, we're not, most of us probably aren't watching the dude and looking at his facial expressions and that's turning us on. We're like, please do not put the camera on the dude. You know, I, yeah. I know what Sterling looks like. <laughs> I know what Sterling <laughs> Kirby looks like. I know, I know what Eric ever looks like. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Really watch their shit. But it's, it's, weird. It's, it's weird when you talk to those guys and they have clothes on. You're like, what? Hey, wait, I saw you in that, you know, but yeah, (laughs) but, but, you know, we want to push the, we want to push the dude out and just focus on the girl. Whereas they actually focus on the girls. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. in in pornography, it's that mirroring neurons and that sympathy, which makes them better caregivers for children and stuff like that. We can be dolts. We can be oblivious when it comes to those things. And so, you know, by having the empathy, but being able to, I de- like understand in a tactical way. Okay. What, what does this mean? What are these emotions when she gets, you know, tense and pull away, what's going on in her head? Probably, you know what I mean? So that I can have an understanding of it. And I know I can calculate my reaction versus yeah, yeah. like making assumptions about her reactions, which you see guys getting themselves in trouble. Then it's like, Oh, she didn't call me back right away so she's probably talking to another guy or she's probably you know this that and the other and it's like well let's look at the entirety of the situation what's going on you know what i mean and 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 then determining an action yeah uh something i learned from a a dating coach that shall not be named uh but we both know who we're talking about one thing i learned i learned (laughs) from him that he learned from another guy named doc love was uh this this concept of of attraction scales and one thing that I've trained myself to do in relationship is always sort of almost be lovingly detached from the relationship enough to be rational, to look at what my girl is doing, to keep yeah. an eye on that attraction level. Oh, and, yeah. and so I, I know how to act accordingly game wise. Yeah, and that's great. Like yeah. so that to me, seems like a more useful 
concept than uh, putting some kind of label on what the hell she's doing. You know, right. <laughs> right right and, and it's it's yeah exactly because what you're doing is you're taking your you know we, we can call that there's a number of you know dbt calls it uh, dialectal behavior calls it radical acceptance yeah you know um we we, we want to get to people an acceptance point in emdr therapy like there's different ways of describing it but it's really just you know disassociating but not in an unhealthy way in a healthy way in other words you, you still you know, love and care for your partner, but you're setting those emotions down and you're stepping backwards and seeing things from a less associated, disassociated view. So we can call it a bird's eye view or, or what have you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then we're seeing that, that what's going on and can kind of make a better determination of, of what's going on, how she's feeling you know, what are my, like, what are my needs and wants here? What are hers? And now where do we go from here? You know, mm -hmm. and so that's a valuable skill. And I would say to bring it back to attachments, a yeah. guy who has healthy attachment has a, a emotional self-control where he can disassociate and see things from an objective view without throwing in his, you know, I think, I think um, the uh, according to the books, it's a secure attachment is the, oh, the most is the most healthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, if we're gonna label it, sure, that's secure. But to me, secure attachment is okay. Yeah. I'm going to be able to disassociate a little bit. In other words, take my feelings out of the picture here. Yeah, you know, she she got all of a sudden cold and aloof this morning or whatever, and it's been that way like mostly all day when she was super you know, excited, happy, and not that way, um, you know, before bed or something or whatever, like, Hmm. Okay. What's going on here? You know, yeah. what's her motivation there? Maybe it's, maybe it has nothing to do with you as a partner or maybe, or maybe it has everything to do with it. And maybe there was something that you promised or said or whatever that's contributing. Maybe there's a number of factors, right? And so, and you, and you can't, it, it's, it's good to have conversations and communication with your partner. I'm not mm -hmm. saying you never have a conversation. However, you want to come to these conversations, especially your girl. She wants you to come to these conversations with an understanding. Like yeah. she wants you to know, she wants to feel understood by you and heard, mm -hmm. not just you going, okay, you're not happy. Tell me what it is you need for me to make you happy. A lot right. of times she doesn't even know why she's feeling a certain way. So like she doesn't even want you to solve the problem. Just no, just no, listen. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like it, she wants to feel understood. And so before, if like you're absolutely stumped and it's been going on, you might have this conversation, but before that conversation, it's good to do that, you know, tactical empathetic analysis of what's going on with her. What changed, you know, what, what patterns do I see here? Yeah. And, and so on, what are her motivations? What, what time, I mean, not to, it's not just pushing it off like this, but truthfully, what time of the month is it right now? Sure. That, that's real. You know, hormones are real. You know, what, what kind of sleep has she been getting last few days? She's been working extra and sleeping not very much. And now she's a little bit less tolerant of you. Well, yeah. It's, yeah, maybe it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good for guys to learn ovulation game. For, <laughs> for yeah, sure. yeah. It's it's a it's again not a convenient theory, but it is a consideration in the, the entire thing. Yeah. You know, if she's a little more sensitive a few days before you know uh, her period, or if she's a little more horny, if you know, right around ovulation, 
probably a good thing to know and to notice, right? As a dude, it mm -hmm. just, it's not the only thing, but it is yeah. a, it's a tool a thing. It's a tool <laughs> yeah. in the toolbox. Yeah, for sure. Tool. Right. Yeah. Wh what, like for me, um, just the concept, I did a whole, I did a whole video about, uh, like it's hypergamy even, you know, does it even mean anything? Cause uh, rich Cooper had a guy on about it. And, uh, and so I was like, you know, <laughs> To, for me, the idea of like attraction and hypergamy and sexual strategy and all that Evo psych stuff provides just a just a, a super easy framework to work within, you know, when it comes to relationship and understanding sure. what well, might be going understanding on. Too that where a yeah. lot of guys feel lost because they they feel like they can't understand why is she behaving like this, and then when you under not when you're just putting a convenient theory on it, but when you can really hypergamy is part of that tactical empathy like understanding why is she reacting this way why why is it when i supplicate to her before she you know demonstrates value to me and qualifies mm -hmm. to me does she lose attraction like hypergamy yeah. explains that that's the mechanism that's going on there and yeah. so then a guy can go oh but then you know temper it with it's not you're not being an asshole all the time either because it's not the only thing at work. There's right. other mechanisms at work right, yeah. where being that guy isn't going to help either. So you learn the reasons why of things so you can temper your behavior in a way that's more productive. And that's what we're doing in relationships all the time is we're, we should be doing is we're learning how to handle our partners better. She's trying, should be trying to learn how to handle us better. And we should be learning how to handle her better, you know, and, 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 and we, can reach higher levels of happiness and deeper levels of commitment that way. You know? Yeah. That's one thing uh, guys don't quite understand either is, is there are women that will pour into shit like this. Maybe they'll find better material. This one's just really trash. I, I just, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it up. Cause I'm not a quitter, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I mean like uh, my girlfriend, for instance, right. She's like on her own path. she, reads useful books and, a, and turns around and applies it in our relationship. So because she's putting in all this effort, I'm always working on myself too. Right. Uh, it ends up being like the relationship is, is this is the most uh, effortless relationship I've ever been in. And it's, it's good. It's, it blows my mind sometimes. I'm just like, what the hell happened? Um, <laughs> we've never had an argument. Like this is weird. Yeah. Well, and that's a thing, man. That's a really important uh, a thing that guys who are listening to you and listen to me over my channels too need to understand is that it's not like, cause I get these guys in the comment section who are like, Oh, like it's too much effort, uh, you know, and it's all ego protection. Right. Of course. But yeah. like, no dude, it's not like, it's not like you're working super hard to have her wanting you and to have good days and, and good times and all that stuff. When you have the skill, it's easier, infinitely easier. Yeah. Like putting a little bit of effort in to learn this stuff and to do these analysis and do the right thing leads to like all kinds of success that you're not having to, you know, work. You're going to work either way. But yeah. you're either going to work way harder. I always someone had had told me once that the lazy man works hard, works the hardest because he procrastinates, doesn't do it right, and you know doesn't do the the initial work, and then he's you know he's doing ten times the work on the back end 
to try to solve for mistakes, problems, this and that. Yeah. It sucks energy away from their making money, their vocation, their everything else. Like I think that's I, I think actually uh Aaron Clary teaches this in his uh dad, you never had course, right? <laughs> like you need, if you spend the time up front and do the work the first time, you never have to do the work again. And, and, and a lot of this stuff, what guys don't really understand too, is like, it becomes habit. It becomes just a part of who you are. And so it's, right. it is, it's, it's just game is a part of you and you just do it and it's yeah. not work at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yep. And that's where the focus should be is game frame and some of these concepts. Cause that's what leads to success. There's too much. You only have so much bandwidth for this shit. Mm -hmm. Really? Any of us like we do this kind of, well, you know, more or less for a profession in a way. Yeah. So that, it's always have. in the forefront of our mind, but most people, they don't have to do that. <laughs> no. And even with that though, I only have so you only have so much bandwidth. Right. So to waste it on theories and stuff and going down these horoscopy rabbit holes that don't help yeah. it's not to say that like okay i couldn't spin this into helping me but it's 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 time valuable time and energy wasted on the wrong thing and not spent learning the right thing like the biggest thing that makes somebody successful or proficient is being able to push out the bullshit and focus on the things that work well in the right action. I mean, I learned this through any kind of fight training. It was that way. There's mm -hmm. so much stuff out there, but what's going to be the thing that will actually make you successful business coaching, you know, and it's no different here. It's like, you don't need to know all of this shit. You just need to know and apply what works really well. And so wasting time energy on this because it makes you feel better, you know, that's usually a, a, a coping mechanism, right? Like just focus on the shit that's going to work. Yeah. They may not always feel that as good at first, because that means you were screwing things up to get where you're at, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it, next thing you know, you're in a, in an effortless relationship and things are going well, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's a, a, a good place to close. We've been, we've been at this for an hour. This is really fun. I, I love having you on to, to shit on pop psychology. Paul. It's always, <laughs> it's always a good time. Uh, what yes, do you got going on and, and, and where can people find you online? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, right now I'm promoting apex inner game as like the new channel. So it doesn't have as many followers, subscribers as filming this, but if your listeners could go over there, hit a subscribe for me. Um, it's, it's a short form, like eight minute videos that are very action packed with information. And that's to try to get info out more to everyone. You know, people have never heard of this stuff before. There's millions of people out there suffering, have never heard of this stuff. And mm -hmm. to be able to have something short form action packed that makes some light bulbs go on and have them look for, for other solutions and, and, and go down the right rabbit hole. That's that requires everybody that, that follows us on other platforms to, to, to support us. Right. So that's, that's the one thing I would say. Um, and I have a lot of free content, free resources. Like, you know, I have an email list that's easy to jump onto, you know, now I have paid coaching programs, of course, but, you know, supporting the free stuff first and then, and then seeing if that's something you need, that's, that's better. But what I'd ask your audience to do is just, you know, get on my list. Like the rest of the month, I'm going to be putting out a new article every single day. Um, that's all vignettes and problem solving for guys. 
you know, and um, I got Apex Mindset, the main channel, which is kind of a more or less shadow band, but we have pod, pod class style formats, you know, there uh, for stuff. And then supporting the new channel, man, Apex Inner Game. That's that's mainly the things right there. I'll link to both of these in the description. Are you seeing uh, Apex Inner Game? Are you actually seeing better views on it than your original channel? Well, so I only have, I, I, it's a brand new channel with, yeah. I, you know, just reached like 1200 subscribers on it. So uh, where my other channel is um, close to about 19,000 subscribers. And so like, I'm not seeing more yet from the other channel, but I'm seeing mm -hmm. like still really good numbers. Like, I mean, my videos, all my videos on there, I don't think they have any less than like 600 views right now. Oh, and, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so one of them has like, you know, that I put out, you know, uh, quite a few months ago, like nine months ago or something has like almost 6,000 views, which for a new channel with only a thousand subs, it's not bad. So I'm watching it climb like my, my impressions, uh, and click through rates are all above like 7% for these, these videos. And then, um, people, the watch time, is almost a quarter of the entire video, which anyone who knows those numbers, that's really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause most people, people have, they have such short attention spans. Yeah. Right. So, so <laughs> it, it's, it's seeing ton of positive results, hopefully over time. Cause I only have like five videos out now, you know, and I'm only putting out, I just now a month ago started putting out one video a week. So like, you know, over time, with that consistency, what will end up happening, hopefully YouTube and other people listening to you and then going and hitting the subscribe button and all that, yeah. it'll, it'll hopefully hit the algorithms where the, the YouTube will say, Oh, cool. Like this guy's a consistent creator that we can advertise to. And then they'll start promoting that content out. And that's where you see these viral, viral videos start to happen. But yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's all controlled by, it's, it's controlled by algorithms yeah, and so it's, you it's gotta so, break that first. Yeah, so, so frustrating. I, I think I we'll 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 wrap up here, but I, I think I told you um I, like I'm on my third TikTok account because my second account is totally shadow but I have like 23,000 followers on there. I get yep. like less than a hundred views on the videos. And if you look at the yeah. analytics, they're not even pushing it to the for you page anymore. So it's like, well, that's clearly the algorithm screwing with me here. Yeah. A hundred percent. And they're not, they're private companies. So they don't, they can censor you that way. Yeah. Not tell you what that is that you're violating that you could fix to change it. And yeah. there's oh, I, no, I, I, I reached out to their support and their support's like, Oh, well you just need to make better content. I'm like, but I, but if I put it on this other channel, it gets uh, 30,000 views. So don't tell me that that's what it is. Like, stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's it. I mean, I shouldn't have like, when I put a video out on Apex Center game and I get, you know, I think one of them now is a, you know, in a few days I'm up to six, seven, 800 views. And then my, and I only have a thousand subscribers. Right. And then my other channel, I got, 19,000 subscribers and I'll get 2000 views in like a week. Like, you know what I mean? So like there's, it shouldn't be that big of a difference. If I have all of these organic subscribers, they're not promoting the, the content on my bigger channel to other people. There's something about something I've said in the past or whatever that's considered borderline and they just don't put, promote it. People watch it because they are already been following my stuff. That's the reason. Right. You know, they, they hear about it from another social media platform. So 
we, we do our goal. I, I think everybody like here is our goal is to help out as many guys as we can. And so if we don't kind of mainstream some of these ideas or at least get those conversations going, more men are going to suffer and more women are going to unfortunately be not good partners for men. So yeah. it's not just about helping out our fellow man. It's really about motivating about saving the world. Yeah. 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 Saving the world, <laughs> saving the West. That's what we're doing. <laughs> All right, Paul, you have a, I'm going to let you go. You have a good evening. All right. You see you brother. Paul, thank you so much for joining me, man. You know, you're welcome back up at any time, whenever you want. <laughs> I, uh, I learned so much from you, Paul. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I, man, this, this attachment theory thing, I just, it's, it's one of those things that's like, ah, oh, it's, it's nice to know. It's nice to know information. Uh, you know, there is research behind it. You know, there's research behind it, but it's like, how useful is it? Right. You got to look at some of this stuff. Like, is it useful? Does it help? You know, does it help you figure out how to move forward? You know, I think, I just think understanding attraction in general just simplifies all of this stuff, right? She's either interested or she's not. <laughs> right. Don't, don't be like, Oh, she's anxious, avoidant, avoidant, and then try to fix her. Like that ends up being a covert contract thing. Right. Like, like I mentioned during this episode that, that Ryan said, so yeah, I wouldn't focus too much on, on attachment theory and stuff like that. It's kind of not, not useful. It's not necessary. All right, guys, that's all I have for this episode. Please. If you haven't done so already, like subscribe, hit those notifications. And also, Tell a friend, tell a friend if you think that they could, they, they might learn some stuff from these episodes. You know, if you, especially if, if you find an episode that really resonates with you or resonates with your friend's situation, send them the episode. Okay. Send them the episode. Uh, drop a comment guys. If you haven't done so already, any comment will do. doesn't matter. Favorite emoji that all helps boost us in the algorithm. Uh, if you guys sent super chats, it's not too late. You can still do it. Uh, I will be sure to screenshot that and share that on social media. Speaking of social media, follow me on social media. The links are in the description. I'm on all the good platforms. Get on the email list, guys. List.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you some free stickers for your troubles. I'll also, uh, you'll also be able to download a PDF with 20 dating app openers that are guaranteed to capture a woman's attention in the first seven words. Check out the Practical Law of Attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. Get on the beer club. The next meetup is October 26th. It's only 10 bucks a month. It's a good group of dudes. And then coaching is available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. All right, guys, that's all I have this week. We will see you Wednesday for the live stream. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.